Today on the podcast, perhaps you've heard, but the NFL is in some legal trouble. We talk about the coach slash plaintiff suing the league, the high profile lawyer representing him, and the job interview rule that's at the heart of this whole dispute. Hello, you're listening to On the Merits, the weekly legal news podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz. So Brian Flores has been having a pretty eventful 2022 so far. At the start of the year, he was the coach of the NFL's Miami Dolphins. Then a few weeks later, he was fired. Then he got an interview to become the head coach of the New York Giants. But Flores alleged in his lawsuit that he soon found out this interview was a sham and to bring the team into compliance with an NFL diversity initiative, which we'll get to in a second. Flores, who is black, says he discovered this when he received a text message from legendary New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick congratulating him on getting the job with the Giants. But of course, he hadn't gotten the job. He hadn't even gone in for the interview. Flores says Belichick meant to text Brian Dable, who did eventually get the Giants job, but texted Flores by mistake. There are a number of other allegations in Flores' suit, including violations of some of the NFL's own competitive rules, but today we're going to focus on the racial discrimination claims and on that diversity initiative I mentioned before, something called the Rooney Rule. We'll be hearing from Bloomberg Law's Aaron Mulvaney in a bit about some of the potential flaws with a rule that has transcended the NFL altogether and is now commonplace across corporate America. But first, we're going to take a look at some of the specifics of Flores' lawsuit with Bloomberg News Courts reporter Chris Dolmetsch. And in the interest of full disclosure, I should tell you that Chris is a Philadelphia Eagles fan, Aaron pulls for the Texans, and I root for the team from the city of champions, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Anyway, with that out of the way, let's get to my conversation with Chris, in which he says this lawsuit from Flores definitely did not come out of the blue. His points are based on some of the things that have been talked about for a long time in the NFL. The fact that you know, the league is nearly 70% black when it comes to players, but very few coaches are. Um, very few you know, um, in the front office are general managers, um, you know, s- scouting directors, what have you. Um, yeah. Uh, and it seems like the you know the, as you mentioned this has been talked about a lot. Uh, but the new thing here are these texts from uh, New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick. These texts seem like uh, a smoking gun, um, at least at first glance. What is the NFL saying about this? Are they? I mean, I'm assuming they're not just saying, "Yep, you caught us." Uh, you know, uh, guilty as charged, right? Right. Uh, you know, obviously they haven't responded yet. It's very early. It's only been a week since it was filed. Um, but they have put out statements. They have said you're, they're committed to, you know, diversity and inclusion. Um, you know, they can, they're committed to those principles. Uh, Roger Goodell wrote a letter to all the teams, you know, reemphasizing that, saying they're going to take another look at, um, you know, things after the lawsuit was filed. They're, they're going through the legal process. Um, but they haven't really responded. You know, Flores himself said that's a good first start, um, but that's not really, you know, that's, they, they want to have a conversation. They haven't even talked to them about the lawsuit they pointed out. Well, one of the things I really liked about your coverage of this is that you didn't just focus on the complaint. You looked at the lawyer who's representing uh, Flores, uh, and you wrote a whole story on him. This is a really interesting guy. Can you tell me about him and some of the other cases he's been involved in? Yeah, so Doug Wigdor kind of came upon the scene about 10 years ago when um, Dominique Strauss-Kahn, the former IMF director, was on was accused of um, sexually assaulting a hotel maid at his place in Midtown Manhattan. And he and Ken Thompson, the former um, and now um, you know, deceased um, Brooklyn district attorney, um, he, they brought a civil suit um, against DSK that they let her settle for about uh, six million reportedly. 
Um, but that kind of put him on the scene. Um, Ken Thompson left to go become Brooklyn DA. Wigdor started to become a go-to person for employment, uh, discrimination, law. Um, you know, he, he, he's very interactive with the press. He sued Fox News many times. He's taken them on. And supposedly he's a Trump supporter. So he, he's an interesting guy. Um, he's, you know, tangled with lots of different companies, Wall Street. Um, he represented um, some of Harvey Weinstein's um, victims. He's a very public figure. And it's, um, this is a big benchmark lawsuit for him. Isn't he also, I think you reported that he's also uh, potentially going to be sanctioned, uh, or at least his, <laughs> the defendants in some of the cases that he uh, has tried have asked that he be sanctioned. I mean, it's no surprise that they're upset with him, but uh, tell me a little bit more about that. I mean, he really seems like if he's suing you, he's getting on your nerves, to put it mildly. Yeah, I mean, like he takes on the rich and powerful. I mean, one of the lawsuits he's involved in right now is with uh, Leon Black, you know, the former Apollo uh, Partners um, co-founder who, you know, is accused of, um, he's been sued by his former, you know, mistress and said that um, for defamation. And he's tangled, you know, um, with Black directly and his lawyers that they've accused him of, you know, um, dirty tactics and that sort of thing. So he's been accused of that before. So he's, um, he tangled with uh, the New York Knicks owner, about his, uh, you know, ejection of Charles Oakley, the former Nick from Madison Square Garden a couple of years ago. Um, and he eventually lost that case, but um, it's on appeal. But, um, you know, Dolan has gone after him saying that they should sanction him for because they've just continued to push the story. So he really rubs his opponents the wrong way. But I, I, that's probably come to comes with the territory, given that, you know, he really takes on these uh, um, complicated, controversial cases. And let's get back to the Flores case here. Um, you know, one of the interesting aspects about this is that Flores is asking to make this a class action, which means that he wants to bring in other people involved with the NFL, uh, other coaches, potentially other uh, job candidates. Why do you think that that Wigdor and Flores are are taking this route? Because it seems like Flores might have a pretty strong case on his own. Why are they trying to make the scope here even bigger? It's a very good point. Flores probably does have a case of his own. Um, but, you know, I, I think he really wants to take on this issue. Like, it, you know, Flores has said, like, admittedly, like this may, he may not work again after he's filed this lawsuit. Um, and who knows, he may have been considered for the Houston Texans job that just went to Lovey Smith. So, you know, if, for him, I think it's, a you know, taking on a lawsuit like this, filing a lawsuit like this, is a huge shot across the bow of the NFL, and he's taking a big risk. And with the, that risk, I think he wants to to um, to get change. It's not he's not there to win a case and get money from the NFL. That's not going to really solve the problem. And I do think, you know, wherever this case goes, if it gets class certification, which is which is a long shot, they have to prove damages, you know, for that, you know, for what this conduct was against a certain group. So unless they get some of these big name. Coaches who've been denied and, you know, may want to take that risk themselves. And reportedly, there have been coaches who are looking at it. Um, you know, unless they do that, there's not going to be any change. So any resolution um, could come with some sort of, you know, agreement to reinforce the Rooney rule, do something new, come up with something. I don't think it's just going to be money. I think he'd love to go to trial. That would be interesting. Um, but finally, though, uh Based on the folks that you're talking to, people who work in employment law and just the attorneys in general who, who you're speaking with, 
do they feel like Flores has a case that this is, you know, this could really go somewhere, this might have legs, or is this more a, you know, uh, lawsuit disguised as a press release, essentially? Well, I think there, there's been a lot of talk as to whether it could survive even a motion to dismiss, and, and some people have said not really. Um, and it may just be a press release, but the fact is they're going to go through the, the process. Um, some discovery is going to happen here. Um, and that's really what is the big issue for the NFL right now. Even if this suit doesn't succeed, you know, we've already seen, um, you know, things come out against John Gruden, um, stuff like that, you know, in emails that have damaged the league. And that's they, they can just launch a lawsuit with this without winning and still get really embarrassing stuff. That was Bloomberg News courts reporter Chris Dolmetsch. Now we turn to Aaron Mulvaney, who covers labor and employment with Bloomberg Law. I asked her how the Rooney Rule originated and why. So the Rooney Rule was actually adopted by the NFL in 2003, and it was in response to some black coaches who were fired controversially. Like they might have had uh, somewhat winning seasons compared to other white coaches who stayed on. And it was just kind of diversity issues in the NFL were like in the spotlight at that moment. And so it was named after the Pittsburgh Steelers owner, Dan Rooney. But what it what it requires is simply that at least one candidate of color and at that time, it was specifically black uh, coaches were interviewed for head coaching or senior coaching positions in the NFL. That has since been expanded. Now they interview at least two candidates of color. And so they, they have had this adopted at the NFL since 2003 it, as an effort to diversify the hiring pool and, in theory, uh, increase diversity. But this has gone way beyond the NFL and way beyond professional sports. I mean, a lot of uh, companies that have nothing to do with sports have adopted their own version of this. And as you reported, even, you know, there, if this is a part of legal settlements where, you know, plaintiffs who are suing a company over discrimination say, as a part of this settlement, you have to adopt the Rooney Rule. Can you talk about how it expanded beyond just sports? Absolutely. So even as I was explaining what the Rooney Rule is, it's such a common it's just a common thing in corporate America. It's just a common thing in like various industries that there are just simply a lot of white men at the top. And that is seen as something that is baked in. And so the idea of the Rooney rule, at least in at the NFL, and the reason it was adopted by other industries was that does that require you to break your hiring patterns? Does that require you to look outside of your normal circles, your normal, the normal people you tap, the people you feel comfortable with? It expanded in the legal industry, which is unfortunately um, also suffers from similar diverse diversity issues. And it expanded in the tech industry, which also was seen as very white male. And, and then recently, actually last year, another industry that I think was working on diversity issues was uh, a lot of US banks adopted it. But the reason it's seen this way is because I think diversity has, as the years have gone on, been seen as something that really helps a company be a better company. And so they want to find a way to institutionalize a policy that will lead to that. So that's that's on the face of it. It's in theory a good thing. Right. For right. that reason because you're you're breaking all these industries are ones that are kind of just like the NFL. They they all kind of have that similar thing of why are there these patterns? This it's the kind of thing that total, totally makes sense on paper. It's tough to argue against on paper. But I I have to imagine even from the inception 
of the Rooney rule, there's an obvious flaw, which is that you could ha- see a situation like what's happening with Brian Flores where, you know, there are interviews that are being done just to check the box, sort of sham interviews just to comply with the Rooney rule. Um, have you seen that outside of the NFL? I mean, is that a situation where other companies have gotten into trouble for doing these types of sham interviews? So not specifically. And I think that that does speak to one issue with the Rooney rule, though, because you can't isolate the Rooney rule. If the Rooney rule is the only effort you're putting in place to diversify your entire workforce and you're not tracking outcomes, you're not tracking what you're actually shooting for or doing other things that would create a better environment, um, then I don't really know how you would know if the Rooney rule is successful or not. And, And a lot of criticism has been levied at the at the at the Rooney rule because there it, it does create a structure where you could have what you said like someone I spoke to for the story that we wrote was check the box compliance and it's basically like I mean Brian Flores' story was really interesting too because he'd actually been brought in several times so it was it was very clear it, it was clear to him at least in his allegations in his lawsuit that he was the the coach they were bringing in to to comply I also have to imagine it's it's a hard thing to prove if you think that you've been interviewed uh, for you know uh, kind of bad faith reasons just to check the box with the Rooney rule. It's a hard thing to prove unless you have these almost like smoking gun text messages from the coach of the New England Patriots that like um, Brian Flores seems to have. Uh, is that maybe one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of litigation over uh the you know this this type of issue right i mean it could be just for all i know there are lawsuits just to be totally frank about the rooney rule what you do see is i i can say that some of these industries that i i pointed out have had pay and promotion and discrimination lawsuits against them to be clear you know and like you said sometimes there have been shareholder lawsuits and activist lawsuits that have pushed for diversity efforts because of those things have pushed for things like the Rooney rule and other things. So it's, it's kind of not in a vacuum, right? Like it, if you look at the outcomes though, has the tech industry diversified has the, you know, over time because of this, you know, it's, it's hard to tie it to one thing is, and could you say it's, I would be very surprised if it was just the Rooney rule that led to any kind of outcomes. Right. And it almost seems like based on the story that you and and your colleague Paige Smith wrote that, you know, even civil rights activists uh, are kind of souring on the on the Rooney rule. You wrote that, you know, Cyrus Mary, who is the civil rights attorney who helped create it, is now saying, you know, uh, it's probably not enough or, it, you know, was, was critical of this, this idea of the Rooney rule. Can you talk a little bit about that, that, you know, it seems like the attitudes toward it are, are shifting? Right. Well, you know, and I, I think it is still a little complicated because, um, I, I think what he said actually was it needed to be a good faith implementation. Right. And if it's not that, then it's really not going to lead to an inclusive environment where you feel like you have a fair shake. I mean, the, the point of the Rooney rule is that you 
you diversify your candidate pool to therefore help diversify. If you have one black coach that you're interviewing for everything, you're not diversifying. And this is if the allegations are true. Like you said, there are text messages that show that he... And that'll all, that'll all come out in court, of course. We, yeah, we don't know that will play court. out in court, right? But on the face of it, the allegations are not... They don't represent a good faith implementation of the Rooney rule. So he, it has to have teeth. It has to have outcomes. It has to have... You know, some experts I spoke to said it has to have a broader a broader push for diversity within the company itself. Like, say you do hire uh, more more people of color, more women that you might not have normally hired. Do you have a system in place that creates a pipeline for success to get to the highest ranks? And those are in the situations where the the Rooney rules used at like lower levels than just the head coach or senior level positions. But that's the kind of theory there that it just has to have teeth. Yeah. And finally, you know, let's kind of uh, put a bow on this here in that the Rooney rule is a means to an end. It's not an end in itself. Like the goal is not to comply with the Rooney rule. The goal is to create a more diverse recruitment uh, pipeline for the company. Is there a better way to do that than just having this uh, you know, quota for lack of a better word, um, on, on interviewing, like, have we developed better ways to diversify recruitment? Well, there have been gains in recent years in some representation on boards, corporate boards, and in some ways in senior level positions. And I think it takes more than one thing is what the evidence shows. I think it takes some, and, you know, businesses are business in this capitalist society that we have. I think that the businesses are increasingly realizing that there is a benefit to having a more diverse workforce. So there's some business incentive to push for that. But honestly, I don't think there's an easy formula um, to break out of some of these patterns. Yeah, maybe the answer is that the Rooney rule is not bad. It's just not enough. Right. And especially if it's not going to be implemented in good faith. I think Cyrus said that really well. I think um, he's saying if, if that's the if that's what they did with it, then obviously it wasn't enough to to make a difference here. I agree with you, though. I think I think nothing and in a vacuum. I, I don't think there's like just criticism of the Rooney rule is the answer either. It's it's a, a broader effort to push for diversity in the workplace. And, you know, it'll take some top down leadership to to bring that to bear. That'll do it for today's episode of On the Merits. It was produced by myself, David Schultz. Our executive producer is Indianapolis Colts fan Josh Block. And our editor is Cheryl Sines, who just wants everyone to go out there and have fun. Reach out to us on Twitter if you have anything on your mind. We use the handle at BLaw. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you next week. You don't need to be a judge to be interested in our nation's laws and legal institutions. Just like you don't need to have a law degree to be curious about the inner workings of courts, law firms, and law schools. That's where we come in. My name's Adam Allington, and I'm the host of Uncommon Law, a podcast from the Bloomberg Industry Group. Uncommon Law is where public policy, storytelling, and the law are combined. We explore big topics ranging from tech policy to free speech to race and gender diversity. So please give us a listen. You can subscribe and download today. Just search for Uncommon Law wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much.